Hey man. Hey, hold on. I gotta swap my my ear. Alright. I should be much better at this than I uh since I've been doing I just got off of a Senate meeting right right before this. So Dude, it's okay. I suck at podcasting sometimes too. Really, it's good to really, see you, man. How are you? Dude, it's always good to see you, man. It's been too long. Remember how we kind of thought we'd never get to podcast again or something for a minute? I feel like. Yeah. But here and we then, are. And then the world ended and everything's different. Silver linings, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure, buddy. Are you in your Are you in your uh, podcasting dungeon there? I'm. Yeah, I'm home uh, at the studio, but I'm like, man, I'm super packed up in here about uh all i have left in here is the table and what you see behind me okay um, so i've been you know the new gym has a huge studio space that i built into it where's the where's the new gym at okay um you remember uh so right by tech there's the la huertas the mexican restaurant mm-hmm. uh, there's so if you were if you were sitting at the stoplight and the word was on your left, so like you're turning to go towards a Dover, you would actually go across Highway Seven. You would go across it, like going towards Tina's Gymnastics, and it's yeah. going back to Basics Fitness Center. Right? Okay. So if you complete the block around by Tina's, uh, like New Life Church, that big church used to be like. An yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. Nice. Yeah. A lot of people know all the landmarks, but never knew there was a fitness center back in there. And then I'm like, did we buy a good location? <laughs> is business okay? Are you guys back to normal or? Uh, you know, it's good. Business is good. We're fine. Uh, uh, so like financially, we're fine. We definitely do not need to get shut down again. And the government needs to give us more money than they gave us last time if they shut us down again. Yeah. But um, and we're not back to normal though. Like, like financially we're fine. Like I decided to tell everybody that. So there's like not any paranoia, uh, but like, uh, the kids classes, they're kind of weird right now. Like we're doing kids classes twice a day, every day. Um, and there's a lot of kids coming in. We lost, uh, not like a significant number of memberships, but quite a few. Um, and the people are starting to trickle back in that pause their membership more and we're getting new signups. That's a big deal. Because, uh, yeah. like, think about, like, from March until a couple weeks ago, we enrolled no new members. Yeah. Well, and in Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas is blowing up right now with with cases. And um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, some states are having a hard time. It seems like Arkansas might be one of them. Yeah, I saw some crazy projected numbers uh, this morning that they were, like, uh, saying – that maybe I, I don't remember what our state numbers are now, but they were saying we could have 150,000 cases by October yeah. or something like that. Um, let's see if I can get a a COVID stat here. Well, we're in good shape where we're at right now. We were the town just north of us was the hot spot of the Midwest for a little while, but we're we're in our I think. How long has it been flattened uh, like that for you guys, the curve? So we have, I think we've been on three weeks where it's been, I think for two weeks prior to that, we were, uh, they were looking at like uh, uh, 20% drop and then 15% drop. And then we're at like, we're like getting like one, maybe one new case a day. Uh, there's only one person in our local hospital that has it. 
So we're we're in good shape. What do you um, think? So like, why are you guys able to stop it? Like you like that? What do you think? Um. So you know the what our so we never shut down, but what our governor did is that he uh, he handled it county to county, and so we had uh, we had like out west in counties where there still are no cases, just because there's open spaces and not a lot of people. And then, you know, north of us where it's Grand Island is right on I-80. That's where the big blow up was. And it's also one of the meatpacking hubs of the Midwest. And so there was, you know, a lot of cases there that were for transportation and meatpacking. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, I, you know, we're not dealing with big population centers, small towns. Um, Have you talked with your, are your parents still in Northwest Arkansas? Yeah, they are. What have they said about things up there? I mean, I've talked a little bit. Like, Northwest Arkansas wasn't as bad. Like, I went up there a couple of weeks ago uh, for, like, a Friday morning. Uh, I, I just went to my friend Nate's gym. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. didn't go any other place while I was there. But then, like, after I left, it's, like, when the cases really started. What, what have they said about it? Um, so, I, I haven't really – I know that they're hunkering down, um, you know, because they're both in their 70s and you know have some minor underlying health issues and so uh, my two brothers uh, one of them lives in Fayetteville and then he's the uh, principal at a junior high and then the other one lives in Springdale works in Fayetteville and he he, they're just um, people are being not super responsible Um, I think that uh, when everything opened back up everybody just flooded to what was what was open and then you know, and I think also the increased testing probably had something to do with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we, I mean, I literally went, we went eight weeks here without going to the store. We didn't go anywhere, which, you know, that was just it's nuts. And we kind of go out a little stuff, bit. Did you do like a grocery delivery? Yeah, or we what'd did you grocery, do? Wal- basically Walmart orders and then just go pick them up, not contact anybody. Um, and then we did the whole like disinfecting all the groceries and, you know, all the stuff. We were super careful. So, um, so it seems pretty good. Uh, we're, we're one of the, the counties. So the, the rest of the state's going to go to phase three opening, um, June 22nd, our, our county and the one North of us, and another one in the state, uh, we're going to go to phase two after that. And so we're a little bit slower, but they're kind of handling it on a case by case basis. Uh, but I mean, places like Omaha and Lincoln never really blew up. Interesting. And they had, you know, they had a lot of cases, but it's been crazy, man. I uh, pretty much from the, the, the time I left the country um, till when I got back and went into quarantine for 14 days. Um, and then it hasn't been normal since. Yeah, which I want to talk about all that for sure. Um, so, hey, what's your principal brother say, though, real quick about like schools reopening? Have you talked to him about that? Um, that you know, right now they're in a it seems like they're in like a, a wait and see holding pattern. But I mean, they're, they're, you know, I think they're planning to follow CDC guidelines. I don't, I don't know. He's, um, uh, what are your you thoughts know? on the CDC guidelines? Are you guys doing the same thing there? I mean, just you having teenagers, like I, I our, uh, like Brianne Davis, our state center, she comes to the gym, like, uh, like she shared a video and like, uh, there's a lot of people re- that I've just seen, right. That are hating on that CDC like because of their kids going back to school under those conditions. Yeah, the, it's going to be it's going to be tough, man. I I you know, my uh my older kids, you know, we I insist on them wearing masks everywhere they go. Um cuz we kind of started we get, just got to a place where you you got to 
know, for a, a long time, you're, you're kind of figuring out, well, we're just going to hunker down until it's normal. And then, you know, you get seven, eight, nine, ten weeks. We're into this thing. You got to just kind of figure out what the new normal is. And so the new normal is, uh, I heard one of my colleagues use this kind of analogy. It's like uh, sex education. Like it's never going to be 100% safe, but if you teach people to do it safely, you know, you can keep, you can keep disease and you can keep pregnancy rates pretty low. And I think that's kind of the attitude that we've got to take with this too. Yeah, that, that is doing things you can do to mitigate the risk, right? Like yeah, that's, that's, that's about that's, it. It's only like, what else are you going to do in a, while there's no, um, hundred percent, which I mean, like where there won't be, but like, uh, no really tested clinically proven. This works a lot of the time medication or vaccine. I mean, there's some treatments out there, but, there's still a lot of unknowns. So yeah, as far as, I mean, my, my philosophy has been, you know, follow, uh, follow the guidelines of the scientists. And, um, you know, so, um, you know, wearing masks, washing hands, avoiding crowds of people, um, as much for my safety as it is for the safety of other people that I'm around, you know? Um, so, you know, uh, and then I try to, you know, frequent those places that are also respectful of those. There's a, uh, there's a store here that requires everybody to wear masks when they go in. Um, it's a much better kind of shopping experience than going to Walmart that doesn't, um, you know, where they have everything, you know, it's recommended and they have all of the, everything mapped out in the aisles, but nobody follows those rules and they're not enforcing them. Um, and so it's, you know, uh, it's, str- it's stressful. I to think go that those, I think those large box corporations should have done that from the get go. I do right? too. They should have. Some, some of them did. Some of them did. The one that, the one that's in town is uh, kind of a Midwestern kind of, uh, it's like a, a Lowe's, but it's like Lowe's. It also has, it's called Menards. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So they, they have like all kinds of, they have groceries and other stuff too, but it's, you know, you got to come in. If you want to come in the store, you got to wear a mask. If you don't have a mask, we'll sell you one for 89 cents. Which I think, you know, that's, you know, um, I think a good way to go. Um, and I, you know, we'll keep following the CDC guidelines because uh, we're, that's what we're using. That's where kind of the, uh, the best information is, is coming from. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And, um, and also it's something that we're, you know, we're learning as we go. Are you so, talking about the busloads Antifa protesters? Oh my gosh. I can't even get me started on all the craziness. Oh, dude. Oh, anyway. Yeah, or have you heard about the the what is it, the the Boogaloo ones the the people that are the on the other side of this? Yeah. Man, I just learned so I just learned the other day about this you know seven blocks in Seattle that has been Chaz. Like what? That's it's insane. This is I've not ever lived through a period of time that's like this. Hey, what do you remember? Have you ever watched Family Guy? Yeah. It's like the Pretoria episode. <laughs> it is, man. Um, it's, <laughs> people are acting insane. And um, for good and for bad, but it's, uh, you know, we're so, planning. So on- you, with your background, I mean, I'm sure you have some opinions on at least some of this, right? Well, I, you know what, honestly, man, I have, uh, I have been just reacting to things like everybody else, you know, and things that, I mean, things that keep, they keep coming up almost so fast that I can't, you know, I can't, uh, I can't respond to it in a meaningful way. Uh, without giving it some thought. I mean, I'm honestly, you know, for a long time, I was just like, okay, let's get back into the country. Okay, let's get through 14 days of quarantine. 
All right, let's uh, let's get through the next two months without uh, any kind of guarantee about your employment. Um, let's you know apply for a bunch of jobs to see if you could get something just in case. And then it turned into you know, um, yeah. I mean, as soon as something gets worked out, there's something new that pops up, and so um, I'm just kind of responding like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, like. Do you see anything like, okay, so like we've been talking about this, like what's going on right now is a lot like 1968, right? In my, in, in my world, it is like, I mean, from like, from the Mark, like when Martin Luther King assassinated, you get riot for protests, riots, looting that last all the way through the election, also an election year. Mm -hmm. So like, just, you know, like, that's kind of what I was saying is like, can you compare this to anything else? Is this like a, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there are some similarities, but I mean, you throw in the whole COVID-19 thing and it is, uh, you know, it's, it's a new ball game for everybody and we're, everybody's just kind of responding to it. Um, but at least that's what I'm doing. I'm just responding to it and kind of broken everything down on the, the base level of, you know, uh, focus on what's going on in my house with my family. I mean, you know, quarantining with three teenagers is uh well it's a challenge uh but, but we're making we're making it uh by hook or by crook man yeah well that's uh we'll tell uh, you know after the podcast tell everyone i said hello of course well. i will definitely do that man they um, we definitely miss you guys yeah you know we miss it too i know uh the kids are um you know the kids were were definitely I think that they were uh, at a place where they needed a break because they were kind of going hard for three, three years, but then, you know, both of them have um, kind of explored and expressed an interest in doing it, especially Hayden again. Uh, but there's just, there's just not really any places that are within, you know, I mean, Lincoln has some good schools, um, but I haven't been impressed with anything that's close to here. Yeah. yeah. But, which is a testament to you and Cora and the bar that you guys set. So. Well, thanks. You know, um, I really did enjoy working with the man, especially, um, not like I'm saying I enjoyed one more than the other, but Hayden, super mm -hmm. aggressive, you know, I can, I could like, when you said that she had mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. She needs to get some of that aggression out. Yeah. And she's, I mean, she's still, you know, she does cross country pretty hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. And man, she, I've been running really a lot, man. I wish I could run a lot again. My, my knees are just, they're just, you know, the four knee surgeries and not a lot of cartilage. And so I've been, my, my routine since I got out of quarantine was just, I, I, I get up every morning and I go for a walk and I walk like an hour, an hour and a half. So it's like three or four miles. Do you, what and do you do while you walk? Do you listen to books? I listen to podcasts, man. I just put, put on my headphones and just kind of walk around. And that started off as just like 20 or 30 minute walks. And then it's kind of increased. And then I've, uh, I've got a, a gym set up in my garage uh, because I lost my primary cardio workout, which was swimming when they shut the pools down. And then oh, uh, check this out, dude. The aquatic center here, aquatic center has been back open for weeks, dude. Like when they open back up, like all of the other gyms that were in town, ours included, they're like, you better not be using your showers. And I'm like, you got the pool open people. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't even planning on the showers thing. Like I get that, but you have the pool open. There's a contradiction here. Yeah, we they they're uh, keeping our pool closed here the, throughout the summer. They also canceled all the all the Fourth of July stuff, so no parade, uh, no uh, fireworks. So they're they're being pretty cautious. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I set up, you know, I've got a hundred pound heavy bag hanging from my rafters and my, my garage and I've got a lot of, uh, you know, elastic cables and some kettlebells and some med balls and, um, nice. I can do pretty much, you know, jump rope and do pretty much everything. I got a battle rope. Um, and I want to get a row machine. That's one thing I want to get for that. I don't have that. I love yeah. doing. I, the one, the one piece of equipment that I wish I had is I wish I had an aerodyne bike. Yeah. Yeah. That's eventually I will get on. I don't know if we're going to build a garage or what uh that's something we talked quite a bit about us doing like a three-car garage with like the third space having all of the stuff you just mentioned and a row machine mm -hmm. yeah. but uh, we have an elliptical but i command i like i pay saint mary's saint mary's is not open back right? yeah and they say they're going to uh rumor was that they that they weren't but that that was where i was exercising every day uh, like literally I would take what usually one day a week off and I'd work out on the weekends too, mm -hmm. but they, uh, they've been close. So like my routines out the window, but we say $60 a month. And I'm like, well, let's say I keep this membership for 20 years. Right. Like that pays for my whole damn garage and a sauna and everything I want to put in it. Honestly, it does. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been, you know, um, mostly just trying to stay active doing that um i like going out and you know i usually do like uh like i do like a three minute warm up with some jump ropes and i'll do three minutes on the heavy bag and then go back to three minute on jump ropes and do that for like three rounds and then do some strength stuff and that's pretty good i do that every maybe a couple times a week and try to walk every day and you know you do what you can do go shoot some baskets with carson but, uh, do you bike? Have you, I just got a new bike. I've been biking. Yeah, so I got a mountain bike, uh, and it's so flat here. Uh, so uh, about three weeks ago, it's flat, and it's also windy, and it's cornfields. And so I was like, I'm going to go ride on some of the dirt roads that are around here. So I went out uh, about 30 minutes, and I looked at my, uh, my phone. I was like, oh, I'm seven and a half miles away from town. So I better, you know, that was pretty easy. I better head back. So what I hadn't realized was that I had like a 20, 25 mile per hour tailwind that was pushing me. And so when I turned around and I had to pedal back, oh my God, man, it took me an hour to get back. I was so tired to get through that 14 miles because that last seven miles back was like into a headwind with no, no wind breaks because it's just these empty fields. Yeah. And yeah. I, I did not want to have to call my wife to come pick me up. <laughs> oh man yeah I, you know i've been having a little routine where most mornings um if i'm at the gym i will or i will go to the gym and get my bike i'm gonna keep my bike in the new studio and i'll just ride i'll ride it like i drove down by the wall hit uh bonadilla then popped out on parkway went down parkway in the midtown so like i take these different routes to go get my morning coffee but it's been uh i got an i got another urban bike i had one that got stolen but uh it's just a trick i wanted yeah. a khs but um it's everybody's been buying bikes like crazy but man the other day it was windy and there was a little bit of a cold front and i was pedaling into wind probably not as extreme as you're talking about but i like got right out of the gym parking lot and i was like mm, no no i think i'm just gonna drive today Turned yeah. yeah i mean there's just you know when you're out you got to get back so there's nothing for it nothing for it at all um but yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, so I tried, uh, when I was in Ireland, I went surfing. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. That's not something you would think of doing in Ireland, I guess. Right. So, yeah. So Ireland, the West coast of Ireland is like the surf capital of Europe. Wow. 
Uh, so we were in a place called Bondurin and uh, it was so, it was so cold. We had to wear full wetsuits, but also uh, gloves and then booties and then uh, head, head coverings. And uh, you know, um, I'm not in terrible shape, but it, it, it was, it wet my butt a little bit. It was so the first rough. time you've ever surfed. It's I, the first time I've surfed in like 20 years. I've surfed on the West coast uh, out in California uh, and we were surfing on, you know, big fat long boards. Um, I was able to get up one, one time and then another half time. And then after that, I was mostly just videoing the, the students surfing. Uh, why did you, why did you guys go there? So we had a, um, study abroad class, um, and that was one of the locations. So I'd never been there. And um, we went, uh, we took about 30 students. Um, it was me and, and another faculty member, uh, but that faculty member ended up having to, uh, um, we had a, a student lose their, their passport in the Chicago airport. And so she had to fly back home with her. So it was me and, and the students in a country that I'd never been to, um, you know, <laughs> right in the middle of a global pandemic. So so what, what date were you guys there? So like I was charting, like I felt like while you were gone is when things really started to accelerate on. It did. So we, we left, I think it was March 2nd. Yeah. Um, and then we, you know, we flew from Nebraska to Chicago and then got on a direct flight from Chicago to Ireland. And then interesting, like we didn't spend a whole lot of time over the Atlantic ocean because uh, when you fly, you fly, we flew up into Canada and then we followed Greenland and Iceland and then over, uh, cause it follows the, the kind of curvature of the earth. Um, but it was only a six hour flight from Chicago to Ireland. I was kind of shocked. Yeah, that's, that's actually not, yeah, that's not bad at all. That's not well, bad I... at all. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of flying, but that was, that was pretty chill. Um, and then we got there and we arrived in Dublin. And then we bust like two and a half hours to the other side of the country. And then we based out of this town called Bondurin and we just did day trips. The mornings were spent like doing lectures. Uh, we had a group that was facilitating it, uh, study abroad Ireland. Um, and then we go and visit the things that they talked about. And we saw some pretty cool stuff, man. We went to a, a Gaelic football match. It was pretty awesome. Um, did some surfing. Uh, we went up and saw some of those really cool cliffs like you see in a Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we went up to, uh, we actually went into Northern Ireland to Derry, um, where the uh, massacre that was kind of immortalized in that U2 song, New Year's Day, or yeah. uh, Bloody Sunday, excuse yeah. me. Um, and we went to the museum and we kind of walked the footsteps of where that was. And that was really interesting and compelling because that was less than 20 years ago, you know. Um, so it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And then, uh, with about three days left on our trip, we started to see things blow up and um, the president started talking about closing borders. And um, so, yeah, it was he's really, uh, he's all about that, man. Yeah. It's, you know, it's isolationism at its best. Hey, let me, um, I, I thought you would find this humorous. I'm going to screen share something real quick. Uh, let's see. Boom. It's not this. We're, we don't want to see that. Hold on. Let me share. Just a second. So there's uh somebody sent me a a super funny uh article, right? Trump quote. Can you see this? Is it screen sharing? Takes credit for the holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you read this yet? 
I have not read it yet. This is in USA Today. Yes, I made Juneteenth very, very famous. Okay, he takes credit for the holiday, celebrating the emancipation. It's pretty crazy. The the um, I never would have guessed that uh, the kind of uh, things that get said uh, and that get publicized and sometimes very uh, um, you know more reputable sites. Um, and just the kind of contradictory nature of all of it. It's so hard to get good information. There's so much information. Yeah, no, it, it really is. What did you, you, are you playing? What's that? What did you play? You playing the documentary? Did, did I, yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we could just play this in the background for a minute. I figured you could provide some commentary. We are watching Natty Parks, a documentary film by Dr. Jesse Weiss. But um, yeah, I figured we could do some commentary on this. Like I have never watched the whole thing. So I figured um, <laughs> like before you'd send it to me and I'd watch part of it. I well, it's an it. hour and 10 minutes long. So it I takes, it was a, it big takes a little bit of time. I did another one for this trip to Ireland too. So that's what I was going to ask. That's what got yeah. me thinking to pull this up. So you, it, you, was mostly, uh, it was mostly uh, kind of video and photographs and I just kind of set it to music. I couldn't put it on YouTube because I used a lot of copyright protected uh, songs. So I did a lot of the, the soundtrack I did it uh, was um, it was uh, Irish artists that cover like popular music. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah. yeah uh, uh, oh, young kind of Jesse. A, young Jesse. Yeah, man. You look at my beard nowadays and it's like, I'm, I'm definitely I'm aging right before my, right before my eyes. So these so are all is, these are all photographs of family trips and um, trips with the class and um, you know because I taught this class I was supposed to teach this class again in August uh, but the school had to suspend all travel classes for the year because of what's going on with the uh, uh, with with COVID nineteen. Was that part of like your like why I mean I I know when you got hired there you had kind of some. Um, you were, you're kind of being brought in to kind of do like, yeah. So that was one of the reasons why I kind of made the transition was the, the emphasis that they placed on, uh, on experiential education and travel. It's part of the general ed curriculum here. Um, so that was, you know, I got to teach a class in, in, uh, to do the one in Ireland and I was going to do another one. We do the national parks trip again. Um, but yeah, that's all, all that stuff is up in the air and on hold for right now, at least for the next year until we can figure out what's going on. But there's nothing I like better than taking students to some of these amazing places. Those are where you get like the aha moments and you get the, um, the hands-on kind of, it's one thing to study about something in a classroom. That's another thing entirely to go and visit it and do it and uh, experiencing it. And so uh, this documentary was actually the third time I taught the class. And a lot of these pictures were the, the other two times um, that were associated with the, the the class that I had taught as well, what is the, uh, and what is the actual title of the class? Like it was called travel. national parks. It was a part of the environmental studies program at, at uh, university of the Ozarks. Um, and we spent this, the, the semester studying the kind of the history of the parks and their policies and the way that they're managing their land. Um, and, uh, and then we took like a two week road trip and visited them. Uh, yeah. The same parks. What's uh, your middle, student, what's your middle name, Jesse? It's Timothy. Timothy. Okay. Timothy. Yes. I Timothy. Remember. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so this was, you know, we went to all these and I, uh, I just basically filmed it all on my, I, my iPhone and then edited it on iMovie and, you know, um, which kind of, I mean, it's kind of like a, just a hobby of mine at this point. Um, 
yeah. we uh i don't know if you saw the you probably saw the the little web series that my oldest daughter and i were doing i was gonna ask you about that like what, we kind of we kind of put that on hold because it was a little light it was pretty light and then um we were doing gonna do another one and then everything kind of everything um got real serious in society and so we kind of took a break we kind of put a pause um, but we want to get back to that and the whole premise of that is just uh, uh looking at movies from each of our generations so i'm generation x and she's generation z that's a cool premise that's why i want i was going to remark on it because i was like this this could be a big show maybe right like you're gonna well, yeah like so the, the first one we did was uh was um uh ferris bueller's day off and so that was one i recommended from gen x for her and uh, she's really the the star of it because it's it's all about her reactions and me basically being you know back in my day get off my lawn, uh, but so the next one is that she's gonna she'll recommend a movie. We actually did a a movie recommend that we started to film, but it was uh, um, I don't know if you've seen um, Five Feet Apart. No, I haven't. Yeah, so uh, don't. Um, it's, it's about, it's about, uh, teenagers that have, uh, um, God, what do they have? They have, um, some kind of lung disease and they, they can't be within however many feet apart and then they can't be around each other. And so it's this love story. Um, and it was just stinking sad. And, uh, so we, we decided to not do that one. I think the one that she's going to do next for generation Z that I'm going to watch, have you seen, um, show called good boys it's a comedy about like uh 13 14 year old boys i don't so know i haven't seen that one either i suck so man. yeah she is uh she's recommending stuff from her generation and i recommend stuff from my generation and then we kind of respond to it but ferris bueller's day off is great <laughs> you thought it was good man uh so um i think that uh i'm not sure what the next one will be that i recommend but um it'll be pretty uh it'll be pretty good once we get back at it we just kind of took a pause and um, I think all, you know, all your favorite, uh, podcasts kind of took a pause unless they were directly, uh, addressing what was going on in the world. And I think that, you know, neither one of us wanted to do that. That was not really the, that's not really the, the, I guess the tone of that, of the, what we're doing there. So I don't know. We'll see how it is. Uh, like 15 minute snippets of it and I kind of edited it together again and, uh, we recorded using zoom kind of similar to what you're doing here, but, um, yeah. we went to, uh, back to this we went to so this was the first one uh that we went to carlsbad caverns and this was the uh uh this was the first park that i'd been to that was a cave system pretty cool so i definitely recommend it highly recommend it if uh i yeah i just i read an article or something uh that I tagged you in and you were like yep that's the one yeah it's uh, uh you literally you hike into it and what they say is the hike in and out is like walking up and down the um Empire State Building. It's that that much elevation change. So, wow. Um, and it would all be very different. I mean, it was packed out then. I mean, you know, I don't even know what that looks like now moving forward in a in a COVID nineteen world. Yeah, for real. Is this like an amphitheater? Do they do concerts and stuff there too? Uh, it's it's. Uh, I don't think that they do concerts. They have an amphitheater uh, where you can. I think they have bats that come in and out. Oh, interesting. But then there's the the trails that go down it. Wow! Look at all those people. Yeah, it was a lot of people, man. And they have an elevator that goes up and down. And uh, we got down to the bottom, and uh, we had my she's six now, but she was four then. 
Um, my daughter, my, my wife just kind of waited for three and a half hours to take the elevator back up. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, man. Pretty crazy. Um, that is so like, that's gotta be wild walking that far down into the earth. Right. Yeah. I mean, when, you know, you get this, uh, um, in, in the, the video doesn't do it justice either. It's, it's just, uh, amazing amazing geological features amazing um you know uh amazing and really interesting formations and um really cool stuff so i mean you can see some of that yeah and it's just the how big it is is insane wow that is cool dude that the the stalactites that what that's called yeah well these are so these are those are they're called they're curtains and um then you have uh, you have different features that are kind of, and I'm not a geologist, so I don't know. Dude, that looks like a lion's mane mushroom. I know that's a weird thing to compare it to, but right there at the top. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow, that is super. And that's I, I think that's just formed by the leaching of minerals through the the ground. Um, and again, I'm speaking completely out of turn on that. I'm not. <laughs> I am no way. Well, we got to describe it some way for the listeners of the audience. Yeah, for sure. And I don't, you know, they have, uh, um, they have different parts and it's an ongoing site. So they're constantly studying these, these features and these formations. Um, and it's dark down there, but they have some things that are lit up. And, um, the best part of, of the, the doing this is the students talking about it and, uh, kind of well, their stuff I'm fast forwarding through. Yeah, like, well, yeah, but no, but group. you know, we're not we're not listening to their to their to their voices or anything right now. But um, yeah, just to see you know to, for them to see these things, and we I, I was really low key on on uh, Carlsbad Caverns, but it turned out to be probably one of my favorite spots. Um, wow! But it gets at the importance of like preservation and um, I mean, yeah, you can see that, and you don't can't wow. really see the scale of that, but that's it's huge. I mean, it's, it's, you could put, you know, you could put a football stadium in there. It's that big. Yeah. Is that the first, and that's not the first time you'd been to Carlsbad, right? I'd never been to Carlsbad before. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Cool. Little um, map. Wow. Yeah. That was, uh, so that's, you hike in it and then they have all the things that are inside of it. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, that was our first stop. And then we went to uh, Guadalupe mountains and, um, which is just about 45 minutes down the road in New Mexico or back into Texas. And that's where I, I, uh, I accidentally sprayed my family with bear mace. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Okay. But also didn't you guys, so I told uh, somebody, this came up the other day. Um, I don't remember why, but I was like, yeah, so this happened to my friend. Didn't you guys get caught out in a storm? We did. That was in arches. We got, uh, we were hiking up to Delicate Arch and we got, and that's later on in the, probably it's toward the end of this, but yeah, we got, uh, we were hiking up to the Delicate Arch, which is the, which is the big, uh, the one you see on the license plate and the one that's all, all over everything. And uh, we actually, my family and I just went back there and spent the week of Christmas um, in Moab, Utah. And we hiked the Delicate Arch on Christmas morning. Um, but we were hiking up there and it was about eight o'clock in the morning and we got up there and a big thunderstorm moved in on top of us and we got pelted with you know hail and you know we're on slick rock and there's not a lot there so we're um 
there's the bear mace I sprayed my family with um, on accident. Oh, man. Uh, and we got, we were, it was, it was thunder and lightning. It was pretty scary, man. It was probably the most dangerous thing that happened to us. And we just, all you can do is just hike back. We got back and we're soaking wet, but. What did you do? So this came up. I don't remember why, but how did you take shelter? I think that's what got us on to something had come up about what to do. If you get, did you just like hunker down against there was no, there was no shelter, man. There was no shelter there because you're in the desert and you are, you just need to remove yourself from that situation. Right. So, uh, we, we could have taken shelter, but the place where we could have taken shelter was my feet. I got the chemical burns. Um, so, uh, we could have taken shelter, but where we took shelter, where we could have taken shelter, uh, it was in a wash. So it was, it was a place where there could be flash flooding. Yeah. And so it would, could have been, it would have been more dangerous for us to try to take shelter in an area that could have been washed out with flash flooding than it was for us just to hike back down and try to get back to our vehicles. Um, there was, I mean, there was, you know, some brush or whatever that we could have hidden behind but generally speaking we just we just got in the line and we hiked down and there were we had to cross a couple areas that were already starting to fill up with flash flooding um so it was me and i had three of my kids luckily my wife and the youngest were back at the the where we were staying and i had all the students um and uh another faculty and it was you know is that, the, is that a faculty? It. Is he a teacher? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Dr. Warren Sconiers. He's a biology professor at the University of the Ozarks. Uh, so he's an entomologist. He's really into uh, insects. Neat. Yeah. Did he, so did a, he, he, uh, was he, did. he doing stuff on this trip, like studying, like documenting, collecting? Actually, some of the students were taking one of his uh, bio classes, and they were documenting and collecting samples. Not in the parks, because that's illegal, but um, they used an app where they could uh, – uh, they could kind of take samples virtually and he actually they actually found uh, a pretty rare um, pretty rare uh, fly uh, in in Zion National Park uh, that was in the Virgin River and it's uh, it's one of the I guess a species of insect that indicates that the ecosystem is pretty healthy yeah so yeah. Man, that's um, interesting. Those look like like almost like stairs or mud. they do. So that's in the Guadalupe Mountains, um, and that's just you know erosion uh, yeah. eroding out. That's what I thought. Yeah. So uh, it was super windy there. We were gonna climb up to this peak, but it was like there were probably 40, 45 mile per hour winds. You can see the wind blowing through there. Um, you kind of see, uh, you know, the students. I like his dance. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he did that dance throughout the entire trip. I did not know that he did it with my kids at one point. Yeah. Yeah. That's so they, uh, they were into it. And then we drove over to Arizona to Saguaro national park, uh, which is right outside of Tucson, um, which I was, we were just, it was going to be a drive through. We just drove through it, but I was, I was it, the, the size of the cacti um, was just incredible. Like, you know, there's a picture in here of uh, two of my students that have their arms wrapped wow. around it and they're, you know, it's a 40, 50 foot cactus. Whoa. Really? They're huge, man. It's just absolutely gigantic. Uh, Saguaro cacti. And they have, you know, I don't know how many different species. That's and you can impressive. see them in the background. Um, there's the... <laughs> That's fun. So that was, that was the dance of the trip. So, um, but it was, it was pretty, it was pretty impressive. Very cool. Uh, yeah. So this is a little montage of him doing the, da to the dance at all the places. Um, 
but yeah, the, the cactus, they were just, it was pretty amazing. There were some amazing places in Arizona. Um, cause we drove basically from the, the Mexican border all the way to the top into Utah. Um, I had never driven through that, that way before. Uh, and it was really amazing from, you know, Saguaro to Grand Canyon all the way up through, um, Zion in Utah. And, uh, it's an amazing drive if you can do it. Yeah. I mean, I've driven through, I have never been to Utah. I've driven through, uh, all the way to California before. <laughs> stopped a few places along the way but didn't get to the grand canyon or anything super cool yeah there are some there i mean there are some great places that aren't national parks too like uh, i think the antelope mountains are in northern arizona and you can see all those slot canyons that you see in Ooh, photograph that right there on that uh, so those are petroglyphs those are so those are the indigenous people um uh made rock carvings uh because the it was uh certain places that are kind of were sacred to them and so they were all over the place uh, just on kind of rock piles or places where they'd been preserved. Um, yeah, so we just did a bunch of, you know, hiking and camping and seeing cool stuff. It was a great group of students to travel with. Do you see any vandalism at these places? Man, you do. Um, you do see some stuff. Uh, in, you know, it's uh, the, the biggest thing that you see in the, the cacti is people want to carve their names in them. That's ridiculous. Uh, but you, I mean, you, you'll see some, some things on rocks. Uh, when you're out in the desert, one of the things that's vandalism, and people don't think that it's vandalism, but it is, is that they'll, they'll pile up rocks to make cairns. You know what I'm talking about? Like rock stacking, like on rock the creek? Rock stacking, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the function of doing that is in, in, you know, deserts where you don't have landmarks, those are supposed to be trail markers. And so when people uh, put up their own stacks, um, not only does it mess up the trail markers, but it also, it's a, it's a form of, uh, kind of, uh, leaving a trace. And so one of the things that we did for this class was I trained them. We trained them in uh, leave no trace. Wow. That's the grand Canyon. So yeah. one of my bucket lists is to, uh, hike rim to rim on the grand Canyon. How long does that take? So that's a 24 mile hike. Um, I think that, I think that we could do it in four days. Uh, the biggest thing is that uh, you're hiking down. Uh, it's like a 7,000 foot de uh, kind of uh, decline uh, from going to the, the, the north rim. And then you have to climb back up like 5,000 feet up the, the south rim. And so that's, that's the biggest one. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a 24 mile hike and it's, it's definitely a bucket lister for me. Yeah. It'd be awesome to do that. Um, I thought about, yeah, I thought about, you know, doing that as a class. And the thing about the Grand Canyon too, is it's an amazing, uh, it's a, it's one of the heritage sites for uh, open skies. So they don't have a lot of light pollution. And so the stars are incredible at night. Yeah. Yeah. That was insane looking. Oh, that's beautiful, man. How many times have you been to the Grand Canyon? Um, I've been to the Grand Canyon like four or five times. Uh, I've only hiked into it once and I haven't hiked all the way across it. Um, but it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible every time I go. I like the North Rim. Uh, the North Rim is about 2,000 feet higher, and it's more, um, it's kind of has more, it's more wooded than desert. Um, but we got to get up that morning and see the sunrise. Uh, did, coming did, over you, um, did you interview these students before, during, after? Yeah, so I did all those. I, we interviewed them, I interviewed them before, and then I interviewed them, kind of talked to them throughout. And then I interviewed them like two or three times afterwards. 
Man, let me ask so you had, this. Go, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say I had hours and hours and hours of footage. Yeah, that's, I bet you had a lot to sort through. Like, so, for example, do you see that guy standing right there? So there's been two times, well, really maybe three. One was actually an architectural structure. But, that, like, you stand in something that's such a large scale, like maybe what you were saying, this Carlsbad Can Canyon made you feel this way. But, like, I've been, like, hiking up to the Hollywood sign. Right? Mm -hmm. It gets really some really high peaks up there, and it didn't really bother me other than I was like, Oh wow, you know, it felt like at Hoover Dam. That's another like you just yeah. look at it and you're like, I'm, afr I'm afraid, and I don't know why that's so high up, and I'm not even close to the edge. Yeah, but but it's just like a gargantuan scale thing. Is that would you like say that's what it's like looking at the Grand Canyons that make you just feel like super small? Absolutely, that's the biggest thing, and, and pictures can't capture it because at, at certain points it's literally it's horizon to horizon so as far as you can see to the left and as far as you can see to the right it's this this gaping maw right so it's giant carved out canyon and then is that, snow? Lot, that is snow yeah wow. um and then and then then in some places you can't even see to the other side of it it's just it's one of those things that you can't um you can't fathom it unless you see it firsthand um, and a lot of these places, you understand why they're important, why they're special um, when you go see them. And you, uh, you know, pictures are great, but unless you can kind of really uh, look at it and experience it, um, you kind of don't, you don't really understand the scale. Yeah. So this is the drive from, from the Grand Canyon North into Utah. It's one of my favorite drives in the entire country uh, because you go into uh, you go into like this this high desert and mesas, and then um, you really get a sense for you know you've seen all those westerns where they're riding through the the desert and they have these these kind of iconic looking monoliths. Yeah. Um, this is where you can kind of experience that, uh, and then you can you'll drive right here. You drive across the Colorado River, and it's this stark comparison of uh, the Vermilion Cliffs with the the red tint and then the green water of the Colorado River. It's just incredible. They have this bridge you can walk across um, and you can look look over it and it's probably probably 500 feet up. Wow. Yeah, there is, um, I just listened to a book that's, it's actually more like, um, well, it's the Southwest, Southern California. Have you ever uh, listened to or read any Cormac McCarthy books? Yeah, for sure. Blood Meridian. I, I've not read it. Um, I've read some Cormac chance. McCarthy stuff. I really like, so I was really a big fan of the, the Lonesome Dove. Oh yeah. It's on stuff. my, that's on my list. I, that, for that movie, bro, the first one with Robert Duvall. Oh, it's one of my favorites, man. It's really good. Um, some, of uh, some of like Cormac McCarthy really does a good job of capturing the West. Uh, also, do you know, um, have you ever heard of the monkey wrench gang, Edward Abbey, uh, no. desert solitaire. Um, <laughs> So he really does. He, so he is more like uh, focused on Utah. Uh, but the way what's that he a, describes, what's a good suggestion on that? I'll I'll punch in my audible here and see. Um, Desert Solitaire is really good. It, it just kind of describes the the landscapes. But then he has um, another one called his best known one is the Monkey Wrench Gang, and it's about kind of environmentalist terrorism. Um, but it's it focuses on kind of this this area of the west and why it's important and why it should not be you know we shouldn't be damming rivers um and it focuses on the colorado river and 
Uh, specifically, they're plotting to, to blow up the dam that created uh, the Glen Canyon Reservoir in uh, southern Utah. And it's all supposedly, it's all fiction, but a lot of people believe that he was, you know, involved in some of this stuff. Hey, can we get him to take down some of the Confederate monuments while he's at it? <laughs> well, he's not alive anymore, so. Yeah, okay. um, when he didn't blow up the dam? Uh, no, the dams didn't get blown up, but, okay. uh, in the book, in the book, they do succeed. Um, oh, I will check that out. That's uh thanks for the, that's what, dude, I will tell you, like, this has become something I talk about with almost everybody I podcast with is I get a book suggestion from them and I've been turned on to some of the best books. Uh, one I'm listening to now is called, I made a civil war joke a second ago, how the South won the war, but like you could kind of see North behind it, but it's all yeah. about the lost cause. We're starting tomorrow. We're doing a podcast over gone with the wind and birth of a nation. Okay. Uh, we're talking about the lost cause in cinema. Yeah. It's uh, it's really, um, you know, the, the different kind of historical periods. My wife is really into like historical fiction and, uh, she's, uh, you know, likes to read a lot of, a lot of the, and I was, I was a history and social double major too. So, uh, I was more, I was more very interested in like the history of the frontier. And so kind of oh, this, yeah. uh, the manifest destiny kind of pushing, the uh, Turner pushing thesis. what's that? The, the Turner thesis. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, and I really, um, I, you know, I like the, like the early frontier days. Like one of my favorite kind of historical figures is, uh, Daniel Boone. Uh, but yeah. also I read a really, really cool book, um, uh, about Kit Carson, who is, uh, he was, you know, after Daniel Boone, but, uh, Kit Carson was, uh, uh, kind of one of the, the, one of the seminal explorers and became, uh, you know, a guide and a trapper and he did a lot of things. So, uh, if you ever get a chance, um, I can't remember. It's in my office. Uh, yeah, uh, shoot, shoot it to me if you figure it out. That could sure. be interesting. But with front uh, history of the American West, the frontier and American West, I think was the title of the course. One of my favorite courses I ever had, and I I interject a lot of that in, particularly like when I get to um, like getting onwards into Texas and the Mexican American War uh, and beyond, like Civil War. That's where I get to intersperse a lot of my my favorite topics with that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I liked. I liked everything kind of preceding the Civil War. Civil War is really interesting. Uh, but I was. I was more of like, uh, kind of the the Lewis and Clark and the discovery of the world. You know, the discovery of the uh, the continent and um, yeah. you know making the way to the Pacific Ocean. And you know, those are the parts that were really really interesting to me, um, because it's you know it's you know i've done that drive you know you drive from east coast to west coast and i can just like in my in my mind's eye i can imagine like you know people coming over the rocky mountains and then they come across you know the great salt lake and, and salt lake city and they think they're at the ocean you know and that whole kind of like wow you mean i've got like thousands of miles left to get oh to oh my gosh san francisco or you know to get to and there's another whole mountain range the sierra nevadas um so yeah, that's, uh, or, you know, <laughs> riding through the desert and then all of a sudden coming up on the Grand Canyon, like, oh. you know, seeing that for the first time, like, what do you, what do you do? There's not much you can do. And it really, um, it is the, the whole kind of that whole Western experience kind of, I think puts people in place as far as the scope and, um, lets them know how small kind of a piece they are. 
yeah. uh, and how temporary um, our time here is. So this is all stuff at Zion National Park here, which is also one of those places that lets you know kind of how small you really are in the grand scheme of things. Um, as you know, like this, like the Grand Canyon, a river carved out this, this, this place too, you know, over millions of years, um, created some of the most amazing stuff. So, yeah, man, you know, one thing I'm fascinated with, like it's kind of wrapped up in the middle of this stuff we're just talking about is like the Rocky mountain fur trade and mm -hmm. like that, that era, there's a book and I can't remember the name of the author. I'll tell you a Daniel Boone biography. That's really good. Uh, John Mac Farragher. Have you read that one? I have read that. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, we use that in the frontier class and another, we had several books for that class. So I can't remember the name of the author of wild and perilous, but they tell this story about, uh, these trappers coming up on these um blackfeet native Americans, mm -hmm. and like them like there's a couple of movies that have ripped off this primary source but they like like kill all the dude like they basically seize their canoes kill his buddies take all his clothes are off and they're like start running right so like that's yeah. been that that's been uh i think uh in jeremiah johnson and mountain men or two yeah, uh, i like both of those movies the the um i know from i think if i remember correctly though both of those like depict like the lone uh the lone mountain man which was really that was not the norm like there were small groups of them that would go together because um you know that was really dangerous number one to be by yourself and then number two the ones that went off by themselves like your brain does weird things when you're not around other people. And so they're, they were a little, a uh, little crazy. Uh, but yeah, the mountain man, I used to live in a place called uh, uh, Shadron, Nebraska, which is just at the foot of the black Hills. And every year they would have the fur trade days. And in the fur trade days, it was supposed to, uh, supposed to kind of memorialize and mimic uh, the fur rendezvous that they would have yeah. every spring. What, so it was really cool. Tell me about this real quick. What is that? So this is Bryce Canyon. This is in Utah. So Bryce Canyon is probably one of my favorite locations on this planet. And you can kind of see into this. This is the view from the amphitheater and you can actually hike into those, but those are, uh, those are, uh, they're called hoodoos. So they're, they're spires that have been created by erosion. Um, basically all of those used to be kind of what Zion looks like now. And then as erosion comes, they kind of erode those down and there's these spires uh, that stick up out of the ground and it's beautiful colors of oranges and there's some pink ones and white. And uh, you can hike into those and you can, uh, we didn't hike into this because when we got there, it was really cold and snowing. So we just kind of uh, took a look at it. But Bryce Canyon's one of my wow, favorite. Wow, look at that rock up there, dude. Yeah, and those are all like, I mean, those are just, that's erosion. That's, that's wind and rain. No, I think that like a giant set that there or something. You know what's funny? When I was in Ireland, uh, like part of, uh, they have some really amazing features there too, geological features, but part of their, their culture and their history is like a history of giants. And so they like have like the giant's chair. And so part of their, their oh, mythology cool. is that there was, the island was settled by giants that, that died off eventually. And so it was really, really interesting. I also was interesting to find out that um, uh, Vikings, Vikings made their way to Ireland as well. And many of them liked Ireland so much that they actually, you know, colonized. And so the people that are, uh, there are a lot of people that are Irish that are of like Nordic descent. 
Is this where the Irish slaves come in? Because I've been looking for that connection, bro, and I haven't been able to find it anywhere. But I did find 40 primary sources that say that's a bullshit story. Yeah, so um, the a lot of the... So we learned so much about uh, Irish history that I just had no idea. Um, but, you know, they, they, uh, they primarily were of... Uh, of Gaelic descent. And then they had, you know, at various times the Vikings came over and then there were, um, there were some, some English folks that came over, but it wasn't until actually Great Britain kind of started to expand their kingdom where you had the, uh, the, the, the real conflict between the, the pagan quote unquote pagan or traditional yeah. religion. Um, uh, and then you had Catholicism really merged really well with that. And so you had like, and this is, you can see this in like Central America as well, where you see a combination. So we'll pause here. So you can see the black clouds. We're on this hike that we see that we go on uh, at Arches. And you can see that all of those are probably, they're like probably, you know, 30 miles to the north, right? So that's, that's off. And it wasn't supposed to come and, and be on top of us. Because if you were looking the other direction where the sun is shining, like it's just blue skies. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we're getting ready to hike up this this hike. Um, so you can see right there. I mean, it's blue skies. It's beautiful. And over there, it's just dark. And it wasn't supposed to turn. And the wind shifted. And it was just on top of us so fast. Yeah, that's that uh, pretty nerve wracking. I'm sure, right? It was crazy. Uh, but like I was saying, with I think I chicken walked. But the the whole uh, so the Catholic the Catholic. Um, uh, the Catholic uh, missionaries really merged well. And so you had a very strong Catholic tradition. Um, so this was in the middle of that hailstorm. Yeah. Yeah. So see, that's what I had an image in my mind of those people hunkered down that tree. I want to, well, see yeah, that. I mean, that's just, that was just a small bush, man. It was yeah, like the, yeah, that's yeah. no coverage at all, but you can see what's funny is you can see that rainbow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like a full rainbow, and we're getting hammered, and there's, like, lightning firing off on both sides. Did you hear the double rainbow guy died? I did not. Yeah. That's sad. Double rainbow. <laughs> oh, man. That, and then the video circulated again like crazy. It was like just yeah. a new video. But it wasn't until, uh, it wasn't until the, the English started to colonize and then the whole Protestant versus Catholic thing, and that's where a lot of the persecution kind of comes from. Um, and then, you know, you have the, the potato famine. Yeah. Um, I talked about that in my U S history one class. Just, I mean, the British basically let them like, you know, millions of people die. Yeah. And it was, you know, a lot of it was predicated on this theory called uh, 4 million people, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they had a lot leave and then they had, um, we visited, uh, we, we visited a site there that was really interesting. It was a, a monument to, um, like 19 girls from this community were sent off to Australia to be brides of people that were there on the prison colony. And they were like 13, 14, 15 year old girls. And their what's parents, a, what's a, what's a prison colony in, uh, in Australia? So Australia was first established as a, as a, a, a prison, right? So they're, they're sending criminals from, uh, from Britain to Australia and they have these colonies that are being set up mostly by prison, mostly by men. And so as you kind of start to see the colonies emerging in Australia, they don't have any women. And so what they did was they took a bunch, they basically took poor people and shipped them there to be, to be brides. Damn. 
was just so much stuff I had no idea, you know. Um, yeah. And this is uh, this is at Mesa Verde. This was really cool too. So these are the, the Anasazi cliff dwellings. Yeah, awesome. And what's what's amazing about this is that they don't really know why they left. Like they just they they just abandoned everything like perfectly good dwellings and you can go and you can tour these things and you can walk and literally it's literally like they just up and left everything probably alien invasion i think so probably too right um, one of the things that they talked about is like because uh, they would they would live on the cliffs and then they would farm up top yeah and so they thought maybe there was the they leached the soil of all of its nutrients and so it was no longer viable i could see that that makes and so sense. they just they just relocated instead of taking all their crap with them they just left it and then made whatever they needed wherever they went is is there are there any myths uh in the american southwest of giants and caves or something like that is that a made-up story um i've not ever heard the only giant stuff i've heard is like the whole paul bunyan and but that's all like i think pacific northwest stuff hey do you guys have disney plus we do Okay, well, have you watched Tall Tale yet? I haven't watched Tall Tale. No. Oh, it's so good, man. It's so good. Speaking of Paul Bunyan, played by Oliver Platt, you got um, all-star cast in that film. It's, it, I, we, I've heard of it, but we haven't it. watched it. I can't even get my kids to watch uh, Artemis Fowl. Huh. I was going to try to do a family movie, but it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, this was a pretty cool one too. This was uh, one we just stopped by because we were like within a hundred miles of it. And this was uh, um, Great Sand Dunes. Okay, let's see. I'm trying to. There we go. So yeah, it's uh, it's really uh, it's just so out of place. It's like a giant sandbox at the base of these two mountain ranges. Interesting. And basically, what it is is that uh, the wind blows over these two mountain ranges, and it you know shears off sand and it just gets deposited and the wind doesn't change much and so the the sand dunes stay there oh you made it back man i made it back we made it all the way through do you do you ever miss uh working at U of O? um well yeah of course man I, I miss the people there i miss uh the students there you know um i don't know that i miss clarksville a whole lot but yeah, for real. I don't want to crap on on Arkansas at all, but oh, cool. I, you know what I really do miss? I miss the Ozarks. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely miss the Ozarks. Um, I didn't think that I would, but I do. I mean, there was something about the Ozarks that's um, it's different than other places I've been, and so uh, it's weird that that's not you know because that always felt like home, and that now it's you know cornfields. And there are a Dang. lot of cornfields here. You could, you're, you could be, um, we could start describing you as corn fed, right? That's a compliment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's corn um, fed oh, wrestlers out your way. They're they, they got some good wrestling here, man. Um, I was trying to own, was thinking about doing some wrestling last year, but he opted for, uh, for cross country instead. I bet, you know, he would, I bet he would have a knack for it just cause it's grappling. It's a grappling art and, yeah. um, so there would be some crossover, but I mean, in that region, uh, I mean, I'm not sure about Nebraska, but I know, um, that, that part of the United States, that's what they say is a bunch of corn yeah. fed wrestlers up there. Well, no, I mean, it's a, it's a big sport here. Um, the, um, our college just added, uh, varsity women's wrestling. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and the state of Nebraska, I think as this year will be sanctioning varsity women's wrestling. I was talking, and so this is an interesting grappling question. So I was talking to the, one of the wrestling coaches here about, um, you know, transitioning, or maybe it was one of the wrestlers, uh, jujitsu to wrestling and was talking about was when Owen was thinking about doing that. And he was saying that it's, he thought it would be a difficult transition because with jujitsu, you can, you're supposed to work off your back and in wrestling, you don't want to get on your back. There's, there is that, but, um, like I just remarked on that the other day in MMA, so we had a college wrestler come in and like, he got taken down, but as soon as his back hit the floor, he like turned belly down. Like it's like yeah. on the bottom. And it's like, that's something that a mentality that, and, and we talk about that in MMA a lot because jujitsu guys like, well, okay, we'll, we'll play on my back. That's fine. Uh, but the, thing about it is like i think uh there's a guy i know of that he's actually a wrestling coach now and he is the first person to ever wrestle d1 in college that never wrestled in high school huh. and he's a jiu-jitsu bite belt under pedro sour and i want to say he earned that bite belt 18 his name's ricky lundell i'm trying to have him on um i've been like I, I'm just like, I just had this idea. I've been targeting like all of my jujitsu heroes to come on the podcast and damn it, man, they all say yes. And I'm like, well, you know, man, now is the time to do that because like nobody has anything to do. And I, you know, you know, there's a, there's still states where, you know, their gyms are not open again, you know? Yeah. Uh, I got a guy from New York coming on uh, next week and he's, you know, they're super hit. So. Yeah, I was listening to uh, – what was I listening to? I think I was listening to the Luke Thomas show. You know, they were listening to that on Sirius XM. No, I don't I, – so, I need to get satellite radio. But, man, I'm just – I'm so invested in Audible right now. That's yeah. just really working for me. Uh, he has, a, he has a, a, like, an a MMA show. Uh, he's an he's a interesting guy to listen to. He's a former uh, – he's a former – he's a vet and then he's been into jiu-jitsu and kind of – is one of the the talking heads and like the the what's the his name luke thomas luke thomas maybe i should have him on the podcast yo he's got his own show he does every day so he was talking to uh what's her name the woman she just fought last weekend uh cervello is that her name mm, i'm not she sure somebody named, uh, i didn't watch I that when i watched a couple of the fights watch garbrandt and uh yeah she was that. She was the headline. Fights. She was fighting some woman named I. Her last name was I. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but she was saying she just she made the uh, she made the transition from um, uh, so what is was it from uh, she moved moved to AK uh, what is it, American Kickboxing Association? Yeah, AKA. Yeah. AKA, and the week after she transitioned teams, the gym shut down. And so her training for her fight training for this was like she had a week with her new fight team and then didn't have another thing before this fight. So, yeah. So I think that there are a lot of, anyway, long story short, you could probably get a lot of good guests. Yeah. No, I'm, I've got, um, I've got some good ones lined up. I've contacted some people I'm waiting to hear back from. And uh, like, I'll tell you something started to happen a little bit. That's real cool is, like, oh, the other day I had this guy named Stefan Kesting. Uh, and you, like, this guy's a jiu-jitsu guy from Canada. But he, like, uh, he had both his kidneys removed, first of all. Secondly. Did not, you just do dialysis then? Uh, 
well, he got his brother gave him one, so he had three okay, kidneys. Okay, he had three okay. kidneys for a while in the story. Watch the podcast; it's real good. This guy's like I was joking around. I, I told somebody I'm like, "Hey, this guy's like the most six famous jujitsu guy that puts videos out." Okay, like he is kind of like my whole jujitsu life. He has been like, you go for look for a video, he's gonna have one, right? So, um, but he goes on these wilderness trips, man. So he's like canoeing, uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and there's like polar grizzly and black bears and a forest fire. And I'm just like, and he's talking about like how he, if he was gonna, if, if the, he got to the forest fire so bad before he made the hard right turn in the river, he was going to have to get under his canoe and like stay in the middle of the river. And I was just like, just so back to that kidney transplant, bro. Like what? He seems like he's living a full life, man. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But and you uh, know what's what's wow. crazy is is when like uh, you know when you're in the middle of doing stuff like that, I don't think it resonates with you how much how much danger you're in. You just are kind of focused on um, you just kind of focused on what comes next. Um, and I mean, that's the way it was. It wasn't until like after the fact, after we all got back to our cars and we were realizing that there was, you know, there were lightning strikes on both left and the right of us. And, you know, we're in an area with flash flooding in the middle of a desert and there's a downpour, um, you know, it doesn't really resonate with you until after it's over. I think when you're in it, you're just kind of, I don't know if it's like uh, adrenaline kicks in or, you know, training kicks in or whatever, probably both. And you just kind of focus on the dangerous thing um getting through it and then when you look back on it it's you know you can that's when you have that's when i get my anxiety about it anyway i'm usually good in the moment it's like when they called me at you know four o'clock in the morning when we were in dublin and they were like you got to get to the airport two hours early and i couldn't get a hold of our our charter bus and so i had to go around i'd wake up all the students we had to take public transportation to get to the airport from our hotel um, and it was seven euro a piece and all of our students had just spent all of their euro uh, the day before. And so we had to gather coins and, you know, go to an ATM machine and we got, we got there, man. I was, uh, I was actually up for, I was up for uh, about 42 straight hours. Oh man, that'll wreck you too. Oh, how stressful was that? It was very stressful. Um, Cause you know, it was just, there was this, you know, because half of Ireland is is UK and half of it's not. So, right. So it was, you know, UK was not included in the travel ban. Right. But we were in we were in the, the Republic of Ireland, which is part of the EU. And so there was some question of whether or not, you know, Ireland was included or what part of Ireland was included. And I really didn't like feel like secure until our wheels touched down in Chicago. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was I was gonna say a second ago, like what started to happen is people started watching my podcast and sharing it and watching, but then I, people I don't know. That's right? good. That's what you want yeah. to happen. Yeah, and then other like so I like I'm getting lots of friend ads. Same things happening with the gym videos actually. Um like I think I'm finally like learning how to upload videos to YouTube in a way that they get views. I don't know. My podcast on YouTube actually doesn't, but on Facebook, it kills it. That's, I guess, yeah. where I'm getting all the exposure. Um, one of my episodes got 2,500 views, and I was that's like, awesome, man. Yeah, so 10, I'm so trying to gonna, get an episode 10,000. That's a big goal. Are you, uh, are you gonna, are you gonna try to start monetizing? I mean, I, I am because you know what, 
if I don't make back, if I don't make back all the money I spent on this thing, Cora's gonna divorce me, dude. I got <laughs> I got to get her pregnant so she can't leave me. <laughs> well, no, nah, we. That's, I that's was saying like that. I've been joking. I, I made this joke yesterday. I'm like, we're we are we are trying to get pregnant. Well, that's awesome. I hope it. I hope it goes quickly for you, man. Yeah, like got any tit how quickly did it go for you all seven so it was it was nuts man every time i looked at my wife she got pregnant so and what's crazy is uh i got that i got that weiss kavorka i guess but uh what's crazy is is that you know her um our doctors were like it's probably going to be difficult for you guys to to conceive and so you know we started thinking that it was going to take us a few months like three months after we got married and like month four it was you know, pregnancy test. And then we, we had babies for, you know, every 20 months for three years and then took a break. And then when we took a break, we were like, well, it's probably going to take a while. And then, you know, no, it didn't take a while. In fact, we found out about our youngest um, when we were in Yellowstone on one of those trips. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's why she was puking and, and uh, not feeling well. Um, so um that's where that's where our youngest daughter got her name so we find out about it in yellowstone which is uh nicknamed wonderland and so we called our youngest one alice Alice, yeah how is alice how old is she now she's six man oh wow wow can you believe that that's wild she's she was i feel like she was finally coming around to me when you guys left because she was so shy after the <laughs> well she's definitely time. come out of her shell now man she is uh she's miss social and um, she just recently got into Harry Potter this summer. And so Bro, been, I've got, I've got like a part of my Legos down here. Okay. Right. I oh, had the, nice. I had the that, castle. I had the castle. Okay. That was, that was an early attempt in the early part of quarantine to give us something to do. You bought around, the castle? No, around Easter, we bought three Lego sets. We bought the friends set. Oh, I want that one. Yeah. We bought the, uh, we bought like, um, there was like a set that had three birds in it that you'd have to put the birds together. And then the big one was the, the Yoda. Yeah. So we put together the Yoda and then, and then we didn't, I mean, that was, that was like 300 bucks and that was too expensive to do. Hey, every week. I've been, I'm in trouble for that too, dude. And I'm never going to make the money back on all the star Wars action figures and micro machines I've been buying. Nice. Yeah. yeah. You should. Yeah. My, I have my collection. My action figure collection is in, um, is in my office, but I have this one. I got this one. So uh, they have this line of Star Wars action figures that's uh, that's modeled on um, uh, samurai armor. Have you seen these? Uh, so no, is this, this from like the new trilogy? No. So you see, so this is Boba Fett, and it's as if he was a uh, samurai armor. Oh my god! I got them on Amazon. Oh, samurai! But they're Boba super Fett. cool. But they, they have like you know they have uh, uh, they're uh, this is the box here. So they're basically there. It's it's by it's by a toy company. That's out of where is it from? It's it's Bandai, but it's they have like they have like uh, Darth Vader and they have like Star Stormtroopers and Darth Maul and they're all stylized as if they're they're samurai armor, which is like combining. They two got a things Captain really America like. and a Wolf. They do. Oh my God, dude. Uh, because that was one of the other history classes and it's the um that i really enjoyed which was because it was completely different but i took a history of china and history of japan class history of japan's awesome 
it's just like it's so completely different from anything that we've ever learned because it's a completely it was on a completely different side and it's and it predates western history by so like you know thousands of years yeah japan um my the whole first chapter of my master thesis after my introduction was about japanese martial arts and then how they diffused out into yeah. the west and other parts of the world did you watch the uh, did you watch the bruce lee documentary on espn no i haven't i have espn the app um now because of the ufc so i need to is it good it's not bad it's it's called be water um i i would have uh it, it focused a little bit on kind of uh, his martial arts, but it was more about his like um, um, kind of his social activism and him as a, becoming the symbol that he did. And then his struggles in Hollywood to get past, you know, the, the racism that you know, clearly continues to exist. It was all right. I've seen better ones, but it was, it wasn't bad. Yeah. It was yeah. no, uh, it was no, the one about the, the Jordan documentary is the one that I recently watched. I it's haven't seen that one, one yet either. Is it really good? Yes. Were you, so you were, you're 10 years younger than me. So were you, were you into the Bulls and Jordan? Yeah, I was, I was just a little kid, but I remember when they won their last championship, how big of a deal it was. And then I want to say that like all of them went on like Oprah or something and like told the story and they're like making fun of Steve Kerr. Uh, who's like the only white guy on the team, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's not entirely true. There was like, there was, <laughs> there was a few more. He's the only white guy I remember. Yeah. Right? He, uh, uh, he comes off really well in the documentary. You know, he's, uh, um, it's really good. You should check it out. It's, I mean, if anything, it's a good 10 hour. The time, last so. dance. That's what it's called. Last dance. Yeah. yeah. So if you have, you can watch it on the ESPN app too. So. Yeah. yeah. So dude, let's wrap it up with this, man. What, um, and maybe we can do another one of these episodes down the road and uh, you can commentate on your uh, Ireland. Uh, I'll send you the link for it. Um, uh, it'll be at, uh, I've got it in a, in a Google doc, um, um, yeah. but it's, I'll, I'll send you the link so you can look at it. It's, it's, it's about 20 minutes long, but it's again, just, you know, kind of what we did and what we saw and that sort of thing. And uh, I'm planning on where I rented a, I rented an RV, um, so at the beginning of August, I think we're going to drive the RV out someplace and I think we're going to maybe try to do like a family documentary. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's our awesome. RV. And well, I figured that was the best way that we didn't have to, you know, we, it's got a shower and a bathroom and a kitchen. So we don't have to stop for food. We don't have to stop, go to the bathroom. We don't have to get a hotel. It's kind of self self-sustained. And it wasn't as expensive as I thought it was. So anyway, you were wrapping it up. What well, yeah. Well, what um dude what what's our education going to be like going forward man like uh I, I, there's a lot of uncertainty everybody like we talked about you, you school for your kids i know that there's been like for you it's been different but i mean just overall as an industry like we're two professors you've been in the game way longer than me i don't know what the hell is going on our college I don't know, man. Is weird. At, the, at the beginning of this i would have thought this would be the this was going to be the death of the kind of in-person liberal arts education. But as, you know, as I'm reading more about this and as they're, you know, talking to people, I think this is, you know, things are going to change, right? Um, I think that there is, a, I think that there's a higher ed bubble that's bursting as colleges are closing um, because of, you know, financial constraints. And um, so I think that what I'm hoping for is kind of a reevaluation of 
cost of college, right? Uh, because, you know, online schools are, can, you know, if, if it's the online experience, uh, there are schools that have been doing that for a long time and they're really good at it. And so traditional brick and mortar schools can't compete with that and they shouldn't try to. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that what we've, what we've figured out, what we're hearing from our students is that they want in, they want on campus experiences. Right. Um, but they also, I don't think that they want to go back. I don't think that they're going to be willing to pay what they were willing to pay at one point in time. You know, um, so I think honestly, I think that next year is going to look like um, it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a mixed method. I think that the schools that are able to be flexible and that can kind of pivot pretty quickly are schools that are going to do well. So if we have to go back into lockdown, schools that can kind of seamlessly transition from in-class delivery or have some sort of partial in-class, partial online are going to be those that. You know, that's some of the things that we're looking at. Um, but I think that I think that we're going to see uh, the guard of, of faculty and administrators who are anti-technology. <laughs> that's that's obsolete. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, all I need is a chalkboard. I think that's gone. Yeah. Well, and two, I've picked up on that. Like I'm noticing, uh, well, I've, so for example, one of my old uh, professors, he was the guy that wrote the Arkansas history textbook, one of them, but he retired. He retired last year, but then he was like, man, I love teaching. You know what? Hendrix is like the highest pay. I don't know. I'm sure he didn't need the money, but like he's, um, he's like, he's teaching over Hendrix, which I know pays $4,000 per class. They teach to like 2000 everywhere else. But, um, he, so he's like, Oh, I'm teaching civil war. And then like halfway through, they're like, we're going to need you to go online with that. And he's yeah. just, uh, no, and not, not like he's about to retire. It's his last year. Like, no, he already retired. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know, we, we had a couple things at this school at Hastings that were going for us. Number one, uh, we had just rolled out an iPad initiative, so every student had an iPad. That's great. That was, which was huge. The second thing is, is that we had block scheduling, and so we have all of our classes are in two and seven week sessions, right? And so what ended up happening was when we had to go online, we didn't have to, we didn't have to shift in the middle of the semester. We basically came back from spring break, and instead of being in class, we were online, and now all of our students as long as they had an internet connection, had a way to access the class, right? And then for me, um, I had gone to paperless classes like four years ago. And so everything was on a course management system. Whether, you know, The only thing that I wasn't doing there was delivery. And so I just had to figure out a delivery method. And so I used an asynchronous delivery method where I basically spoke over my slides and then uploaded them in like 15 and 20 minute intervals. Uh, because if, if I'm trying to do an hour or an hour and a half straight that wasn't working so i just did audio recordings and and you know i could do that in powerpoint easily yeah um and used a lot of links and then had basically had deadlines set up and students i would put everything uh on a monday everything would be due on a wednesday or a friday uh all the feedback was online because i was already doing it that way they submitted everything online um, and then I just, I just did the, the delivery that way and recorded the lectures, had everything uploaded on Monday. They had to have it done by 6 p.m. on Friday. And it seemed to work out really well. My, my course evaluations were pretty good. I was surprised. Um, 
you know, the only thing that I wasn't really able to replicate was like in-class discussion. Yeah, they're trying to get me to do this thing called Flipgrid. Uh, yeah, so it's like discussion boards. And I didn't have a lot of success with discussion boards. It's like, okay, let me pose a question. Let's just type on it. And it's good to do that. But the problem was, the biggest problem with that is, is that you have to do that at, a, at set times. And, you know, I had students that because of COVID were, you know, they got full-time jobs. And so they were literally, you know, they were working all day. And so when do you do that? And then also there were instances where, um, you know, students, I, I just didn't want students to have to post because I put a, you know, you have to make five posts to, do, to get an A or whatever, you know, that doesn't kind of replicate that. So I think that there are, there are some, there's some innovation that can be done. You guys um, use Byteboard? No, we use Canvas. Okay. Canvas is really nice. Uh, I was, I'm really happy with Canvas. We used Moodle at my other school. Did not like Moodle at all. Uh, I've used Blackboard when I, when I, ta when I taught a little bit of tech. Um, at Tech Ozark, we used Blackboard. But, um, yeah, I mean, we had kind of integrated our course management system. Uh, the biggest problem with the course management system was the files. But we're also a Google classroom or a Google college. And so I just basically had to uh, place a link on our course management system and then have it have the lectures themselves stored on Google, on Google drives. Right. Oh, that's yeah, that's nice. We have, um, what is the Microsoft OneDrive? Microsoft yeah. OneDrive. That's the, but man, cloud storage that it does make my go back and forth between here and the college a lot easier. Um, we use Byteboard. I, I, I really like it. And like what I'm going to do on my PowerPoints, like I, so I record like a lecture like this, basically I got like my lecture notes. It's pretty detailed, but then I have like a PowerPoint that I do in like maybe a 10 or 15 minute version of that. Yeah. Right. I'm like, I like it's just super brief. I'm like, Hey, remember how we talked about all this stuff? Like, here's this from the, from the picture from the book, but you know, whatever it is. And I just go through and it's mostly key terms and I don't have my lecture notes in front of me. Uh, I've already done the lecture and split the audio off and had the video and put it on YouTube. And so that's, that's how I've been doing it. But I yeah, I don't, uh, um, were you teaching your classes synchronously where you had times that you had to everybody had to tune in at the same time i was not but they're they're making a big push for that which i kind of feel like i like that option for face-to-face -face classes and i was thinking about starting to integrate it but now um like what they're going to do at our school at least what they're saying they're going to do is um which they they change with uh have changed several times and they they always like we're supposed to be doing what u of a does with like most of our policies and then U of A releases their plan super early. And then like we have this other plan and then we end up going with U of A's plan. Yeah. That's what like just redundantly has happened over and over. But um, on starting back, they're wanting us to do the synchronous. So like basically students only have to come to class so they feel comfortable coming to class. Yeah. But I got to be there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. They're else. making us. So we're going to be on campus, uh, but uh, they want us to have like um, like hybrid courses that if someone gets sick or I get sick, I can still deliver from home. Students can deliver or you know, they're kind of tinkering with 
how many we can have in a classroom. Um, you know, how does that work with masks, that whole thing. Um, so I don't know. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, what do you guys like? This is something that's come up. Uh, like tech is pretty divided on starting back and stuff, apparently. Um, so if one of your students or you, or you come into contact with a faculty member or a student that gets COVID-19, you've got to go into 14 day quarantine. So yeah. how does that work? Like students are going to get it. Like, no, yeah. So they're going to have to, I mean, they're going to have to be tracking it, like really tracking it. And then, um, you know, making, uh, that's why they want us to use the create, create class models that are, that can be delivered uh, in a variety of different ways uh, so that we can be flexible depending on what happens. Right. Yeah. So if I, if I, if I have to go into quarantine, I can still continue to teach my class using the technology that I have right now. Yeah. Right. And then students can, you know, use their iPads uh, the same way. If we have to go into out of classroom scenario, then I need to plan a class that can do that. For me, it's not that difficult because I was doing everything paperless anyway. Yeah, I, right, like, so, wait, I did that turnaround on like a two-day notice. They're like, yeah. I, I joke about it. They're like, hey, Brian, we need you to go home and start filming videos. I was like, all right, I'm set up for this. Uh, no yeah. problem at all. Don't bother me. Like, they didn't hear from me, so they were like calling me like, hey, uh, what are you doing uh, over there? And I'm like, I'm crushing it. Like, let yeah. me tell you about everything I'm doing. I'm my video production studio right now. I'm thinking about starting my own new show. Like, I was just like, go, like, yeah. telling She's like, all right, you got it. Well, can you make a video for th this award ceremony? Because we had to do all these digital awards and stuff too. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's just no reason why we can't be able to be like that uh, with what we have. I mean, you can do that with your phone. You know, I'm, a, I'm a, I, everything that, everything that I have, uh, everything that I've put out any, you know, the documentaries of the film, it's all been using um, basically iMovie. Are you on your, are you uh, zooming on your iPhone or using a computer? I'm on, I'm on my, my iPad. Oh, same thing. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, what with the gym, we just zoomed with the iPad every time. Yeah. I've done it with my phone. And the audio, time. the audio is decent and I can hear you just fine. Uh, I didn't want to use my Bluetooth speakers, but. Man, I've, uh, these for the podcast, um, a lot of my guests wear their, um, yeah. their Bluetooth headphones and I've done it one time and I, I was super impressed with the audio. Um, yeah good time yeah so i think i think that you know um i think that we're we're in a good spot because of just serendipitously having that stuff i mean we would have been really we'd have been screwed if all of our students and we still had problems and the reason why they they wanted us to do asynchronous is because we still have a lot of rural kids that don't have like wi-fi that's that's an issue for us too being a community college particularly yeah. I man we get draw for a lot from like Clinton, Overcup, and places like that. So, yeah. um, I think that I think the schools that can be uh, that can be flexible and can kind of change on the fly are going to be the ones that can handle whatever's going to happen in the fall. Um, we're planning on going through like just a regular schedule, but again, it's not like we have a semester's worth of classes. We're doing, you know, we have a two week, and then we have a seven week, and then we have a fall break, and then we have another seven week. And so if it turned out we couldn't, you know, we got to that seven week and things were blowing up again, you know, they could just push the other seven week class or we could just go right to online pretty easily. 
and and not disrupt stuff too badly. And so that's that was just you know that's just one of the benefits of having a block system. Are you guys going back after Thanksgiving or no? Yeah, well, that's the plan for right now, but we'll come back after Thanksgiving and have that next seven week session. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we can you know we can change on the fly. Yeah. See, that's what something in Arkansas a lot of the schools are doing. I think U of A and Tech both are um, not coming back after Thanksgiving break. So Yeah, it's what some of the other schools in our state are doing that too, but they don't have the same scheduling either. So Yeah, that's interesting. When you like did that math, I was like, that's a seven weeks after Thanksgiving. That's weird. It's And the seven-week classes count for four credit hours. Oh, man, that's interesting too. So we're, we're, we're meeting with our classes every day of the week for an hour and a half wow is that how you guys did it before this yeah that's they started that that was part of the the rollout of the new stuff that they were doing that started last year and so i was there for the first and so that gave me a really good opportunity to try some new things that i'd never tried before and do some stuff like one of the biggest things that i've completely abandoned is the whole idea of having like a rote memorization test what do you do essays so, um, so take home exams, essays, take home exams for upper level stuff, a lot of presentation stuff. Uh, and then in my lower level classes, basically what I've done is a weekly timed quiz and it's done online and it's open book because honestly, and I've shifted this, I don't think in this day and age, it's necessary to memorize anymore. I, 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 I come down on that side too, man. And like, that's kind of why I was smiling is cause I got to do a lot of the same stuff, honestly. And it's like super frowned upon that, you know, but it's like, honestly, it's, that's the old school mentality, right? You got to memorize it. Like these kids are not memorizing it forever. They're, they're memorizing it enough to do the exam. And then, and then it's, go, it goes away. I mean, honestly, what we should be teaching our students how to do is how to, quickly find the right information and accurate information. That's really what we should be training our students because that's going to, that's going to better serve them in the real world, whatever that looks like, then, you know, I'm going to get this textbook and I'm going to memorize something the night before and I'm going to get a B plus on the test. Like we should be giving them the tools that they're going to be having when they're in the workplace to find the information, but also empowering them with the ability to find the correct information and information that is, you know, cited and information that is valid rather than having to memorize facts. That's where I'm at with it right now. Yeah, no, that's, uh, man, the way I like, uh, and it kind of like when I talk to some of the other professors who've been there, they're like, cause they don't use blackboard at all. Like we're yeah. not required to use it for anything other than the grade book and attendance, but I'll be like pretty much doing my class exactly the same as I do. I'm going to be, I'm making an online class right now, but there are like only like two or three differences. And like, the, I mean, the key difference is like, Oh, Hey, I lecture in this room for this class. Um, that same lectures over here from this video from my house over here though. Right. It's yeah. the same. It's the exact same. And like how I have the assignment set up, how I do the due dates, everything's like the same. So like now that I'm building this online class, I literally just had to copy all my units over to yeah. the normal class, the online class. Meanwhile, a lot, ton of people aren't even using, uh, organizing their course like that. And I already had all my tests, um, all the discussion board assignments, writing assignments, everything. But man, that's where I've been going. It's like, I've, I've kind of, that's why I asked if you're doing an essay test. I, well, I want to move away from that uh, 50 multiple choice question model. Yeah. Because what are you measuring? Yeah. 
right? You're measuring their ability to, to look at a study guide. And I mean, it's not, they're not learning the, the information. I mean, the stuff that you and I have memorized, we have memorized because we've spent, you know, however much time interacting with it constantly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you take a student takes one class. That's not going to happen in a seven week class. It's not going to happen in a, you know, 18 week class. It's just not going to. Right. I mean, so we should be, I think that we should be teaching different skills. Yeah. I think that's, that's where I'm at. with it. Like critical thinking. Let's teach some of that. I've heard we're well, supposed to. But I mean, I mean, in this day and age when there's so much information available, mm-hmm. like, is it more important to be able to find the, the, the valid and the, um, I hesitate to say correct information, but I mean, there's like a lot of crap out there. That's not good information. Right. Well, like I, that made a joke earlier, but like that Irish slaves myth, that's something mm-hmm. that's been going around that I've recently made a post commenting on, but I mean, there's a, there is a lot of propaganda out there like that is, and it's like, what's crazy is that Irish slave myth. Like I started reporting it when I would see it come up because a bunch of, uh, racist leaning people were sharing it. But, um, it's it's just propaganda there's actually no truth to this particular story that was going around but that i started looking and that had been back on facebook since like 2015 2016 people i was friends with were sharing it well there's that's the it's the it's the double-edged sword of the internet right it's that everybody has access to putting things on there but then just because it's on there doesn't mean that all that information is equally valid yeah well, and, and then so, too, some people don't know, they have no idea how to tell the difference. They don't even look at the date of the article. They have no checklist of things to go through. Well, I mean, you look at, you look at something like the, the, the now discredited uh, piece of research that was put out. And this was a, something that was published in a journal that linked, th- um, that linked um, vaccinations to autism. Right. So yeah. that information was out there. If you go to the journal where that's published, it, it is it is it has on every on every page. It's a watermark that says that it's been it's been disproven, like it's recanted, like it's a retraction. Right. The guy has admitted he falsified his information. He falsified his data. Um, but it's out there. You can access it. Jesse, on- no, you're wrong. Okay. The vaccinations, I've heard that they're bad. Okay. They cause autism. All right. But this is, this is also where, this is also joking, where like the whole climate denial thing comes from too. Like, well, there's all these studies that I found on the internet, but so what we should be, you know, to get back around what we were talking about, I, I think that what we should be doing with students is, is helping them figure out, okay, what's good information. How do I find that quickly? And then how do I use that to answer the information, the questions that are on the test? Yeah. And so that's really where, where I'm at with it right now. I don't do any like road memorization stuff anymore at all. I just, I think that's a dinosaur. Yeah. I, like I, I saw this meme recently and it was like, what you thought college was going to be like. And it was like all of this, like super, like they made my syllabus for me. Basically it's like, can you 60% this 30% that? And it's like, what it's actually like, your teacher's Jesse, and he has a non-comprehensive final exam. The test is take home. Like, you know, yeah. like, it's like that. But that is, I think, um, man, I just like, I talk to people like you, and I have my professors, and I'm always trying to innovate and bring technology into it. Like, you mm-hmm. know, because I, like, I think that 
you know, like you're doing it, but I think this is a generation of people that are active in education that are, that are going to do it. And particularly with COVID-19, we're going to make that digital push. Uh, like you were saying. That's, I mean, that's where it is. I think that this is, this is, I think this is hastening that. And it's, I think for good reason. Um, are we, are we still recording? Yeah. 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 We are, so, but we can, so, we, so can we can wrap that. it up anytime. Pause that. And let me tell you, let me tell you some stuff. Okay. Okay. <laughs>